The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, welcome to the first edition of Stories from the Sideline. My name is Coach Larry. Today we've got uh, Mr. Dan, Mr. Matt, and Mr. Connor. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Couldn't be any better. I was going to say, don't all. Fantastic. <laughs> doing good. Doing Excited. Good, good, good. A fun day after camp, after work. We all work together at a uh, fun summer camp. It hasn't sponsored us yet, so I'm not saying the name. But... Um, <laughs> So we're a little tired here, but I think we're going to make this work. Um, again, first podcast here with uh, four phys ed teachers. Not sure what we're doing, but we're going to make it work. We're going to have fun with it. Um, again, stories from the sideline. What, I, what I, we're going to talk about a little bit is we're just going to share some stories. We're going to share some stories about our uh, time playing sports, time coaching sports. Everybody here is a coach. Myself, I've coached everything from uh, soccer, track and field, bowling, cross country, Girls swimming and diving. I don't know how I got into that. Uh, volleyball at one time I coached that and girls softball. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Dan, what's some sports you've coached? I know you're over at West. I know you've coached a couple yeah. other sports. What do you coach? Coached volleyball, track and field, field hockey, girls field hockey, uh, soccer, baseball, Whatever you want to say. Girls field hockey. How did girls you get into hockey. girls? I know for girls swimming and diving, I got into girls swimming and diving. I was My first job right out of college was uh, being a lifeguard at a high school. And the first day they asked me, do you have any experience with swimming and diving? I said, absolutely not. They said, okay, you're hired to be our girls diving coach. So it was uh, quite an experience. In fact, after about a week in practice, they wanted to see me dive. So during a Saturday practice, I had never dove before, and it showed because I got up on the diving board and did a complete belly flop in front of the team. But uh, it was a fun season and made it work. How did you get into girls' uh, field hockey? I got stuck into it. I mean, I was student teaching, and my, my cooperating teacher's like, hey, you're coaching field hockey. I'm the coach, so figure it out by tomorrow. And that was an interesting time. I've never played that a day in my life nor will I again. So kind of one of those you've been voluntold yes, to do it. Yes, voluntold. I love it. Then we also have Mr. Connor. What are you uh, what are you what are your sports that you're coaching? I currently coach um coming up on my 5th year of lacrosse. <clears throat> Some uh, other sports I've um volunteered to do uh youth lacrosse and student teaching. I got stuck with the uh women's bowling team they were fantastic i've never seen a perfect game in person i got to witness that during practice unfortunately for uh for the athlete who uh made that happen but um you know i'm still looking for that for that full-time gig where i really settle down and uh luckily (laughs) run into these situations where hey you are now coaching the women's golf team or and the uh, boys tennis team and something else too. So nice, love it. So, so I'm guessing golf and tennis are the uh, <laughs> are those your your sports of choice to coach. No, those those are the sports that I uh, would not like to coach. I would not and like so, to coach. Oh, and so no, it's it's starting to seem like once I um, find this district that uh, I get hired at, it's looking um, like it'll be more of a hey, you do this now, and rather than what I played in high school, which was. Lacrosse, football, basketball, hockey—you name it—I played it. So, it seems like once you get once you get hired, the first couple of years of getting a job, it's kind of like okay, you've got to do what we tell you to. But after after you've been at a high school or a school for more than like three four years, you can kind of, all right, I want to focus on soccer for me. I want to focus on track and field. Um, so yeah, you definitely early on in your career, you definitely have to coach sports that you normally would have zero interest in coaching. But you want to make sure that you know you you sound like a team player or seem like a team player, <laughs> Mr. Matt down there. You're waiting intently to tell us your sports that you're coaching. Um, I wouldn't say intently. <clears throat> I'm just jittery because I have caffeine and I'm sleep deprived. 
I just had to use a big word like intently. It makes me sound smart. So. Okay, okay, I respect it. <laughs> um, I coach soccer, coached a little bit of baseball, uh, coached tennis, and I also coached uh, volleyball, youth volleyball for a little bit. Nice. Any? What was the first sport you coached? Uh, first sport I ever coached was soccer. Nice. Just because I played it. I was gonna say. Now, were you a soccer player? I know that's my big sport. Yeah, you know, it's can't tell. <laughs> I've only mentioned it like five or six times, you know. Yeah, you know, just in this podcast On the walk alone. in. <laughs> I was dribbling a soccer ball as we speak right now. You are, just bouncing it off your head? That's right. Not much hair up there, so we got a lot of, a lot of area to work with. All right. Um, so that's get a little introduction to our guests here. Um, first topic, I uh, want to talk a little bit about rivalries, whether it was playing rivalry days, um, whether it was coaching rivalries. Um do you guys remember any rivalries, or do you guys have any rivalries as coaching? I know for me, um, I guess I wouldn't call it a more of a rivalry, more of um, a friendly rivalry at uh, the schools that I coach in. Um, soccer season, I've coached with a couple of different track, uh, track coaches throughout the year. I know soccer season, uh, myself and another coach, we coach against each other. And we always kind of have that little extra rivalry anytime our teams are playing, more or less just for bragging rights. Um, what about you guys? Any big rivalries that you guys can think of, whether professionally, whether school-wise? Or are rivalries kind of a thing in the past? I, it's it's tough to say. I'm trying to think. Coaching from a um, the modified level, you don't even you don't even think about rivalries. You're you're hoping that these that these kids, you know, just continue to play the sport. You want them to play that sport that you're coaching. So rivalries rivalries um, really don't come up too too much at the seventh eighth grade level. But, you know, in high school, everybody, there was just one school. It was, it was always just one school. So, I mean, I think the biggest one in, uh, in the North Towns in the Amherst District would be, you know, the Battle of Main Street, the Williamsville South and Amherst. But, oh, yeah. Absolutely. you know, as the years go on, or at least as I was leaving high school, you know, Amherst used to be the dominant lacrosse powerhouse, and Williamsville South has always been absolutely terrible. So it's like it, it can change in, through generations. So it's tough to say right now. Of mm-hmm. absolutely, and it's funny for me as a player. I was I went to Niagara Falls, and our rival was LaSalle. It's no longer um, no longer a high school we combined. But for me, playing wise, it was weird because our team was horrible in Niagara Falls High School for soccer. But I played travel soccer with a lot of the guys from LaSalle. So the rivalry was kind of, it was there, but again, it was more of a friendly rivalry. It was just, uh, you do a little trash talking on the field, but at the same time, it was guys that you played with all summer long. It was guys that you were very competitive with, um, especially during our travel programs where I would play with these guys in big tournaments. Um, and then you meet in a high school game and we're, we're trash talking, but more or less laughing while we're trash talking. Um, and of course, them being LaSalle and us being Niagara Falls, we knew we didn't have much of a chance to win. So it really wasn't that much of a rivalry playing-wise. Um, Dan, Matt, any big rivalries with the playing or coaching? Um, mostly playing. When I, I'm, I'm a competitive person. Um, like I lost my cool playing kickball in a rec league yesterday. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, so I'm very competitive. So as a coach, every game to me is a rivalry. You know, I like I don't let the kids know that, but personally, for me, I think I see it as that. Uh, for school, though, uh, I went to a very big high school, so we had three separate soccer programs, and we played some private schools, and it was only a rivalry because we had kids that like you know we grew up with, and we went to middle school who chose to go private school after into high school and we'd play those so it and you know sometimes the kids would leave on bad terms so they make it a rivalry so so like you like you were playing with people that like you knew and you were jokingly trash talking this was just like you know bad blood like family turn kind of stuff where like you know you're trying to prove like we stayed with the group like you know we're the better ones versus the people who left i don't know it was weird i didn't really get into it but definitely the team did <clears throat> and we lost, so it was never really, it was never really worth the effort. I love it. I think playing wise, if we had been, if our my high school team had been more competitive, um, I think the rivalry definitely would have gotten a little more heated with the guys that I played at. Let's put it this way: my high school, I played four years of varsity high school soccer. We averaged what about 13, 14 games a season, and 
we won zero games in four years that I was there. In fact, I think our closest chance at victory was maybe a three nothing loss. Um, yeah, Yikes. we were we were we were not good. Um, there were times where the game was over, like twenty minutes into it. It was not. It was, it, it was the exact opposite. I think a lot of times high school guys, you'll see they'll take their travel teams as more of like getting ready for high school soccer. For me, it was almost the exact opposite. I took high school soccer to get me ready for indoor soccer, which was super competitive uh, in the travel league we were at, and then to get me ready for our uh, competitive travel league uh, outside. So that was. Uh, <laughs> I guess I had a rivalries a little reversed. Um, Dan, any big rivalries? I know the big East-West rivalries as coaches. Possibly that's yeah, always fun. It is. I, I think it's different now. I don't know. Us sitting here looking back, like when I was playing, it was always I'm here to win no matter what. And now, you know, coaching-wise, a lot of the kids don't really care. You know, they're just there. They're like, hey, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's not like that, you know, you want to beat them so bad that they go home crying and stuff like that. <laughs> And it's it's different. I don't know. It's weird being a coach because, like Matt said, I'm competitive. I want to win, you know, yes, at all sir. costs. I'm glad uh, you brought that up because does it seem like – and I, I know I'm the older one here by probably probably about 10 years or so on you guys. But is it I, – I, I agree with Dan. Back in my day, when we got on the bus especially uh, or when we got – when we were heading home from travel games, if we lost – it stuck with us, you know. Silent. It, it, you were silent on the bus rides. Um, there wasn't any jovial. There wasn't any oh, great job, everybody did well, blah blah blah. It was more of you lost. Not that there's anything wrong with losing. It's a part of sports, but it stuck with you. It stuck with you a little bit. You were mad. You kind of for me, I'd be replaying the game in my head, especially yeah. if it was a close one. What did I do wrong in the first half? What could I have changed in the second half? Did I do good on that set play? Um, again, it was it was something you took to heart. Where nowadays, um, you know, whether it's coaching track or whether it's coaching soccer, it seems like almost that competitive nature might not be lost totally, but definitely has changed. What are your guys' not thoughts really on that? There. It's in between. I mean, you got one or two kids that are diehards and they'll do anything for the team, and then you got the rest of the kids that are just kind of whatever about it. You know, they're on the bus having a good time no matter what. And is that bad for the sport? I don't know. Is it? good for the team i don't know it's just a different era yeah i think with with that era i think it's less of uh <clears throat> of a group mindset like coming home on the bus i remember whether it was in college uh high school whatever big loss important loss everyone nobody said a word as as a as a team um now i feel like uh kids these days come home you'll have that one two kids with that mindset and that'll stick with them forever but as a group, it's a, it's not it's not a complete um, loss as a as a team. So, okay, I could see that. Now, Dan, I know I coach with you at track at East. Um, do you think it's? It, I was track and field was my sport too. I was a miler, two miler, and then two mile relay. Um, you did say you know that it's one or two kids, or you got a couple kids on the team who are diehards. They want to be there at their event. They want to make sectionals. They want to make states. Um, and then you've got a couple of kids who are just there for the social aspect. Um, do you think it's becoming more and more where kids are doing individual sports like track and field, like tennis, um, swim team, wrestling? Um, do you think that that uh, be there, that social aspect, I'm just going to be a part of this team, uh, just to be a part of a team is kind of becoming more prevalent in high school sports? Yeah, I think so. You know, when I ran track in high school, I just did it to stay in shape. You know, I didn't necessarily love the sport, but I didn't hate it at the same time, you know, and I did it. I had a bunch of friends on the team. You know, I was good, but I wasn't the best, and I knew that, you know, and I, I'd go out and do what I could, help the team out, but I was there for a social, you know, okay. experience as well. So, I mean, now it's definitely, it's different. You know, kids go there to, and hang out at practice, ex especially at track, and they just talk, you know, during practice, and we're sitting there like, all right, let's do something. They're just hanging out on the turf doing whatever. So, you know, it's kind of – it's definitely a lot different. I never would have done that with my coaches. Th that's for sure. And uh, you definitely get some kids where you've kind of got to, hey, listen, we're here to we're here to have fun, but we're here to work too. You know, let's, let's, let's get going. Let's get it in gear. Um, Matt, what about you with uh, – I know we talked a little bit about rivalries – but um, were there any games, any moments that you kind of think back that really 
really stuck with you, like whether it was playing against a rivalry team, whether it was playing against in a, in a big game, sectionals, anything like that, any moment that really kind of like, man, I'm never going to forget this moment in this game or whatever happened. Um, usually I find myself on the team of like, we're here to have fun rather than like the, the, the constant competitors. And don't get me wrong. I like, I like to have fun. I definitely like to have fun, especially if we're winning. Then I definitely have to fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, you know, I always find myself in the situations where, you know, and all right, taking it away from soccer, and the most recent thing that I do right now is playing kickball. Yes, it's a rec league. But like I said, I'm a, I love the competition. And, it, and, you know, there's tournaments. Like, that's, we take the scores, and we have, like, first, and we have last. Um, you know, I... It's I, I'm the kind of person that like sits there and just really kind of ponders over what I really could have done. So the things that stick with me aren't like good moments. They're usually just like, oh, we lost, and this is why we lost. And it's you know, um, I I um, the only time that I actually really stuck out to me, I remember we were playing a private school, rainy rainy day, right by the lake, um, and we crushed them. We crushed them hard. And we were all huddled on a bench in the wet, cold rain for soccer. And we get on the bus, and um, we are the champions, happen to be playing on the radio. Love it. And we drive by the field with the windows down, heads out in a hurricane, screaming this song. Granted, we were in first, we were in last place, but it felt like we were in first place that entire bus ride home. That was that was the best. That was the best feeling. I Listen, think will stick with me for that. Winning cures everything. I don't care if you're zero in whatever. Winning cures everything. Not that I would know what winning was like in, in high school soccer, but um, it, it's that's that's awesome. Um, one thing. Anybody? Uh, well, one story that kind of sticks with me is first year coaching um, high school girls soccer. Um, our team was. Um, we were in the playoffs one game away from the championship, so semifinals, and we're up one nothing against a team that we really probably shouldn't be up at all. We were hanging on, and you know that feeling, especially, you know, it's 10 minutes left, 5 minutes left, 4 minutes left. Those last minutes are slowly dripping by, and they were just putting the pressure on shot after shot after shot. And um, all I remember was... Every every bit of strategy that I ever had went out the window. I literally, I think, the last five minutes just kept screaming, clear it, clear the ball, kick it out, kick it out, kill time, clear the ball. Strategy just went out the window. It was literally just, and every, I think I must have asked the referee every 30 seconds, sir, how much time left? Sir, how much time's left? Sir, how much time's left? I thought I was going to get a yellow card or a red card for annoying the referee. But it was we we ended up winning, and again, it just that feeling when the whistle blew, just that feeling of seeing the not only our team, the girls, just it was phenomenal. Um, it was that's a feeling that'll always stick with me. And then of course the next game um, didn't go as well. We lost. Uh, it was kept it close. We lost like uh, three to one, but uh, it was just that feeling for us. That was our that was our championship. That's one that will will always stick with me. Um, the girls say I was crying. I didn't think I was crying. I just think I was a little sweaty. No, a little salty discharge. A little salty discharge. A little, little sweat coming down. I'll admit it. I was crying. I had I had a little tears, little tears of joy there. <laughs> Two or three. Um, but it was that was that's a moment that'll always stick with me uh, as far as coaching. Um, any other from you guys? Any Dan? Um, any big story that you have, Connor? I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is when I was in high school. Um, for some reason, I thought I was a basketball player. Which is not true in any sense. But, Basketball uh, player, you're what, five foot? I'm six foot. All right, relax. Six foot? Yeah, relax. All right, I All shouldn't right. talk. I'm yeah, like, come on, I'm, no, like I'm three six foot, foot seven. I, I get, I'm, I'm tall ish. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're Niagara Falls if, used to be the best team forever you know, in the league. I think they went 20 years winning NFL championships. And for some reason that year, we beat them at their home gym. And I thought that there was going to be a riot. I thought we were going to get. <laughs> jumped outside the bus and uh, you know that's a that's the first thing that pops into mind you know how i felt that day you know i don't even know what i did that game i can't even tell you if i did anything scored a point stopped anyone on defense i don't know but just that feeling of you know overcoming something you thought you would never do and you know 
I feel like kids don't don't get that sense of feeling a lot when they're playing. It's a shame too because I think a lot of them they just don't they don't understand. Some of them just you you get all that you put all that hard work into a season. You put your heart and soul. A lot of these kids into a hard season, and unfortunately, everybody's not gonna get that championship moment. Everybody's not gonna get that. Uh, those moments are very very few and far between. But again, um, it's those those few and far between moments that you get. That's what that's what sticks. That's what that's what playing the sport is all about because you're not going to, I don't care what sport, I don't care how good you are in something, you're not going to win every time you go out there. Um, so I think that's, I wish kids would go after those moments more because I think it would just, it would just make games more, more enjoyable, more fun. And I think the kids would get a lot more out of it. Um, now, as far as coaching, any, I'm a big nickname guy. I love giving my kids nicknames. Um, any any nicknames that you guys have given kids throughout the years? I know me for one. My one of my first years, actually, it wasn't one of my first years. It was uh, probably about six or seven years ago. Um, I was coaching modified soccer, and we had three Marias on our team. So, called one Maria. We had two Maria C's. Dan Dan is laughing because Dan knows the nickname story that I'm coming up with. So we I. Called one Maria, called the other one Maria C, but we had another Maria C. So her last name happened to be Costanzo. So I'm a big Seinfeld buff, so I just started calling her George, as in George Costanza from Seinfeld. So practice called her George. She was totally cool with it. I remember during the season, she was a seventh grader at the time. During the season, I'm like, Maria, are you, you sure you're all right that I'm calling you George? Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) <laughs> go to present day uh, still coaching this girl I've moved up uh, to JV and varsity uh, coaching there and not only do I still call her George on the field almost all of her teachers in high school call her George almost all of her friends all of her friends call her George her dad happened to show me uh, during the season this past season that on her varsity jacket she has George written on there for her name so uh, again, she is an awesome kid, and it's just a nickname that just stuck. Uh, so that was, for me, that was given a nickname that it was just kind of like, hey, you're cool with it? All right, you sure you're cool with it? Cool, I'm going to ride with it. And uh, it was just, it was funny to see just how much it stuck. Um, any Are you guys big nickname guys? Either nicknames that you've given out to your kids, nickname that uh, you've gotten when you were in high school, for playing wise, anything, any big nicknames? I don't, I don't know if I got a nickname, but my first time ever coaching volleyball, walked in the first practice, and I had a kid run up to me. I think it was a tenth grade at the time, and he goes, "My name's Jado Twelve." And I looked at him. I was like, "What?" He goes, "My name's Jado Twelve." I go, "All right, buddy." So the rest of the season, I called him Jado Twelve, and to this day, he's like, "That's not my name." I go, "No, it's your name now. It's all right. You're fine." But yeah, I mean, nicknames are tough now. You know, you gotta, you gotta choose the right kid because yeah. I, I know George too as well, and she, she moved into track with us too, and she walks in the first day, and you're like, oh hey George, and I'm like, George. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, my name's George. I'm like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> she totally rolls with it. She's funny with it, and uh, it's funny. Like even when I coach her on soccer, I'm sitting. She's our goaltender, and I'm like, nice save, George. Nice, and I get referees that kind of give me a look. Fans from other uh, other teams or coaches from other teams are like, "Did you call her George? Is her name George?" Sometimes I'll explain the story. Sometimes I'm like, "Yeah, her name's George." What could I say? She likes it. It's a hey, she's okay with it, so we we roll with it. I I think so. Those are the those are the best nicknames. Or those those are the nicknames that stick. When you have a kid come up to you telling you that this is my nickname, normally those ones don't don't last as long. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my my nickname. Um, Ever since my freshman year of college, it's it stuck. I'm known as Chewy. Uh, Chewy, you got to tell us the story behind <laughs> no, Chewy. I'm totally I, calling you Chewy. I, I, <laughs> I wish it, I wish it was a better story, it. but I I think just kind of going off what you said, how you just kind of took something that was so random, so small, um, so stupid, and it's like you when you explain it, sometimes it doesn't even lead up to the understanding of the name. Sometimes you get lost understanding the name. 
Um, we got to get a little explanation because all, all, right, all, right. all I'm thinking of is you're a huge Star Wars fan. Like yeah, you came Chewbacca. to practice, you came to practice with like a lightsaber or something. Like we had we had uh, coaches come and come and go uh, at the college level for assistance. You know whether it's it's a, a kid who um, was just on the team last year, graduated, coming back, finishing their masters, whatever whatever the reason is. This coach lasted a, a single year too, but um, I was a goalie and. You know, I am a Star Wars fan. It is it is based off of Chewbacca. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm a very vocal goalie and just the, the noises I would make after, you know, it's such a it's such a quick, quick sport that, uh, I, yeah, I guess the, the noises I would make going to make the uh, aggressive save. I guess uh, really, like, really sounded Wookie? like Chewbacca. I wish I, I could even do the Chewbacca. Like, I no can't even do like. the, the Chewbacca. No like. <laughs> so you're saying you use the Force to make a lot of those saves. Yes, that's exactly and what Chewbacca does not have the Force. Is this going to turn into a Star Wars podcast? Yeah, this is, it, it could, that's, that's Listen, that's another idea for a podcast. Stories from the Force. <laughs> <laughs> that could go a lot of ways. You know, if you're on the police force. You know, that, that is true. That's help. Stories from the Force. And the, the Air Force. St- the Air Force. Listen. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, any, besides the force nicknames, any uh, any nicknames that you've either given or stick out or had a coach give you? You know, so everybody, every I make this joke all the time, and I I told I I told my girlfriend this. I was like, hey, you know, when you come to a family reunion of mine, you just say my last name, and every person will respond because apparently everybody in my family has been called by our last name. Don't know why, because if you see it written down, you can't pronounce it. But like if somebody tells you, so somebody called me that. So all my coaches called me that. So for me as a coach, I'm a big last name person. And um, obviously at camp, you, you've all heard me call some of my, my campers by their last name just because it just comes natural. I'm a big last name guy. And it really helps if their last names are fun. Like then I can like kind of add on to it. Now you do you do the rhyming with the last names if possible? Because oh, I was gonna I, say a lot of times I'll rhyme with the last. I'm names. I'm a big rhyme kind of guy, and um, the the great thing is is that it comes by accident most of the time. And then they're like, and then the problem is is that they point out that it rhymes, and I'm like, you're right. I was like, <laughs> now you're in trouble. I was like, <laughs> now this is part of your name. <clears throat> but, no, I I love it. And in fact, I think it just. And for me, even just giving a kid a nickname or having even teammates give you nicknames or you giving teammates nicknames, I think it just it just helps a team bond. I mean, it really does. It just it gives you that overall family feeling. It gives you that just feeling of, hey, coach gave me a nickname. He must think I'm doing well. Or, or you know, when I was get, I got a nickname because I got a goal or did this or whatever. Um, I think it just helps. It helps bond. Um, and it just it makes that uh, that family of a team. It might mean the world to that one kid too. You know that might not be your starter. That might be your tenth, eleventh, twelfth kid on your team that might not see time, but they got a nickname. So now they feel <laughs> right. they're all in now. Yeah, they stand out. Absolutely. And it's funny because it I I totally agree with that. Where a kid that might only get maybe ten, fifteen minutes of playing time in a game, and like you said, they got a nickname of uh, whatever it may be. Um, for me, one of my nicknames was, I don't know how, um, but uh, I got uh, Gazelle one year. It, it stuck for a season. One of the captains, come, my, my freshman year of soccer, thank goodness it only stuck for a season. But uh, we're doing our drills, and he just looks over. He's like, you know, you're pretty graceful. You're like a gazelle. And I didn't really know how to take it. So I just got to, but the rest, sure enough, and I'm a little freshman on the varsity team, and I've got seniors calling me Gazelle, Gazelle, and I'm like, all right, sweet. If, if seniors are calling you that, that means you're popular. Listen, that's, it, that's cool. At least they're talking to me as, you know, as a freshman, at least the seniors talking to me as opposed to just, hey, go do this, go do that. And uh, because it was funny because not only was I a freshman, I was a starter on the team, and for whatever reason, the seniors really liked me that year. Um, I got out of doing a lot of the, you know how usually your first year on the team, you've got to go get the water, you've got to go get that. Um, the senior captain for really, uh, I got, became really good friends with him. Even to this day, we'll still talk, but it'd be like, all right, freshman, go get the soccer balls, go load the bus. Larry, you come here. Yeah, you get the frosh, okay. a lot of frosh talk. 
I was gonna say I got the uh, I got the senior treatment as a freshman, so that was that was fantastic. Definitely not okay anymore to call a freshman a frosh. No, it's not. It's we not. we call them rats. <laughs> I was say, all right, yeah. we, we call them a lot of we call them a lot worse than that. Yeah. Now that that's another topic. That's an interesting topic. Is it is it almost a a thing of the past where earning your stripes on a team? Like I know for there were travel teams where as a new guy you had to earn your stripes. You had to earn your respect. You didn't just come in there and get a starting spot. You didn't just come in there and uh, at any level and just. Hey, we're buddy, buddy, buddy. You've got to earn your spot. You've got to show them that you can play. You've got to show them that you're willing to uh, work hard. That you're willing to step up and take leadership roles. Do you think that? Do you think kind of earning your spot, even in high school or or young travel teams? Do you think that's kind of? Do you think everything is is more given nowadays? I think you got to go about it differently now. You know, and it is a time. It is a thing. You definitely you can't be as harsh. I mean, thinking back in the in the 90s, um, yes, I'm that old. In the 90s, in high school, you know, we uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff that would not fly nowadays um, as far as hazing and stuff. But not even hazing, but just earning your spot, just earning your stripes I think, in a team. I think names go a long way more than they did in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a certain name or, you know, the coach knows, oh, your family was athletic or your brother did this or your sister did this or cousins, you know. Now you're put up a little bit more than other people automatically. Whereas, you know, if you're a nobody, you got to work. Kind of riding the coattails of the family name. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Um, that was. Uh, I guess my. I've got a younger brother. I guess he kind of got. Uh, he got at that a little bit. You know, in life, he would tell me, like, you know, I, this is the third coach that has compared me to you, or the. You know, they always say, "Oh, I had your brother." So, yeah, I guess I can see that. Um. But I don't know. I mean, I just think it was, for me, even as a coach, I remember the first couple years coaching, you had to, even on the track and field, you know, a lot of the, you got coaches that, I mean, Deanna and I coached together for track and field. You've got coaches that we've known for, that I've coached now against seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years. Um, right now, it's definitely more of a friendly vibe, but there were coaches back then where, you know, if you saw them on a if you saw them on a field, the most you'd talk to them was the handshake afterwards. Hey, thank you. We beat you guys. Time to go. And that was that was about it. Now it even seems coaches are definitely more talkative, more uh, sharing stories like we are, and just more more friendly in general. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. I think it's just the whole sense of competitiveness, like we talked about, has just changed. You know, both players and coaches. Um, I, I, I like, I mean, like Dan said too, it changed, like just earning your stripes in general. Um, it might not be like the typical hazing as you might see, or like putting in the work. Um, and you know, some coaches have never were like that before. Like I know most of my coaches weren't like, even like he would instruct the captains beforehand. He was like, listen, he gets it. But it's like, at the end of the day, every, every, he'd say every practice is a tryout. You know, he, he, he would look and if anything, he'd use that as like kind of like earning your stripes because he'd have you'd have those kids that would be like, you know, your go to's and they would make the old like the, the people who weren't as good work hard to try to compete like that. You know, that, that that's that's the way I see it. But I definitely I definitely feel like the whole sense of competition has just changed. So it allows more of a dynamic between even rivals and competitors. I agree, and I think even just do you find it that kind of it, it reminds it. Does it find uh, coaching? Let me try this again. Let me speak again here clearly. Um, pulling people from like a starting lineup, whether it's basketball, whether it's soccer, whether it's um, lacrosse, do you find it harder nowadays to pull somebody from a starting lineup? Make that switch, whether just for performance issues, whether it's just hey. Uh, you know, Matt's been Matt's been improving a lot more. I want to get Matt into the starting lineup, and I gotta yank. That means I gotta yank somebody out. Do you think nowadays it's a little tougher to uh, change that starting lineup? I think you gotta tread carefully. Mm-hmm. Tread carefully. I like that. Definitely gotta parents, tread carefully. Parents believe the best out of their athletes. I think that's a whole another issue with parents. Um, but I think you, you know, like Matt said, you know, the way I coach is every. Every day is a new tryout. You know, your starting spot is not ever set. 
you know, if if you show me in practice one day you're ready to go for the game, then that's you're starting. But you know, a lot of coaches get stuck, you know, where they have their lineup set from day one, and then you know something's not working and you're trying to change it, and you got the player coming up saying, "Hey, coach, why aren't I starting? I've been starting since day one, or I'm a three year starter, or mom and dad's coming yelling at you before or after the game while you're not playing now." You know, and there's a lot of things going on that you gotta kind of work around and walk around. Now, has anybody ever had that? I know I have, but has anybody had that, whether it's uh, a, a athlete or a parent come up, hey, coach, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh, why isn't uh, little Johnny starting in today's game, or why did little Johnny lose his starting job? Has anybody had a parent uh, come up to them and ask them why? Or why is, why is little Johnny why is little Johnny J only getting um, two minutes of playing time a game? <laughs> Yes. Anybody anybody oh, have any of yes. that happen? Uh, who hasn't? How do you guys deal with that? I know how I deal with it. But how do you how do you guys deal with with parents like that? I think you got to play off what your district has too. You know, all districts have their, you know, this is your guidelines to follow and then you have your rules on top of it. Um, I personally think, you know, you don't need to come up and talk to a coach when you're infuriated or mad. You know, you might be so fired up that you're going to just start yelling, swearing at the coach. You know, you got to wait some time to get a cool head, level head, and then you can have that conversation. You know, any coach is open to having a normal conversation, but if you're running on the court or on the field after a game, you know, that's not the right time to do it. Or if you're yelling at the official because you're trying to get onto the court at the same time, you know, that's not right. You know, you got to stay within your boundaries and know your boundaries too. I agree. Definitely. Uh, Sometimes parents got to remember to stay parents. Sometimes, you know, and also you get the parents who, and I've had parents who have rushed over, not exactly level-headed, and then you look over at the kid or you get the kid that comes in the next day, coach, sorry, sorry my mom did this, sorry my dad did this, um, and they feel embarrassed too. Um, so it definitely uh, can be difficult, and I think as a coach too, you've always got to make sure that you try to keep your you know, you've got to stay level-headed too, especially if it was a close game. And if you guys, if you're on the losing side and you're not feeling all that great about a close loss, and the next thing you know, you get a parent coming up yelling in your face, well, how come my kid didn't play? Um, I think at that point, you've got to take a step back too. I know I've had to tell parents or had to have that conversation or that talk, listen, um, let's talk about this tomorrow at practice. You're, you know, you're hot-headed right now. I'm hot-headed right now let's just let's cool off let's talk about this tomorrow at practice um or let's set up a separate meeting i think those are the best times throughout the years i've learned that that's been the best to best way for me to handle situations anything like that yeah i think it's just important to uh set up expectations and then you know try and try your best to follow them but giving giving time uh from a situation you know give it give it 24 hours think about it you know whether you're the parent, whether you're the coach, you know, it's it's it can it only leads to disaster. I think if you if it's a very intense situation happening at the incorrect time. Absolutely, and like Connor said earlier too, I know you said you coached a lot of modified sports at one point. At that point, it's more, yeah, you want to win, yeah, you want to win games, but it's more of just developmental. It's more of just getting. Uh, anytime I've coached, and I've coached a couple uh, modified sports, it's more of let's try to get kids equal playing time instead of, hey, I've got 11 on the soccer field that I can put out there for all 80, 90 minutes and dominate, but what am I doing? How am I developing the other five, six kids on the bench? So let's try to balance playing time out. And, uh, and I agree, putting it all on the table, especially in a coaches meeting where you tell parents, hey, listen, we're, some kids are going to play a little bit more, but I'm going to try to get every kid at least at least 40 minutes into a game or at least 30 minutes into a game. Um, I don't. That means that might mean, hey, if we're in a close game, I'm still making my subs. I'm still getting kids' time in. Um, so just to kind of give you a heads up, I think as you get to the JV level, definitely as you get to the varsity level, um, it's you're still trying to get those kids to the next level. But that's when it still gets. That's when the the wins and losses matter a little bit more. At least in high school sports, it's 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 important to to understand what level what level you're coaching at, what level you're playing at, and so a, as a coach, you know you got to you got to work with the um, with the program too. It's 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 a it's um, 
you're taking steps. So modified, you're right. It's it's developmental, JV, all the way up to varsity. You want these kids to have a clear path of uh, what's expected and, you know, what you expect as a coach and what the program expects out of you as an athlete. So, I think that's also helpful. Like if you, you know, I remember when I was in high school, we used to be giving like our coach would come in, you know, this is your contract, your athlete contract for this year. You know, this is what ex- is expected out of you, A, B, C, D, whatever. Um, you know, this is what I'm going to do for you. You know, you sign the back. If you break the rules, this is what's going to happen. You know, and, the, and, you know, that's something that I've, dabbled thinking about adding back in because you don't see it too much anymore you know you don't see coaches saying you know these are my expectations you know this is what i expect from you and even for parents you know you can give a parent contract be like all right this is this is what's expected you know parent comes after you a game you know here's your contract that you said you would follow my rules you know and that's more so just to like defend yourself at the same time too you know and just always cover yourself because that's a lot of coaching teaching all things like that is now, all right, what have you done to make sure you're doing the right thing? And if something happens, what did you do to prevent that situation at the same time? Absolutely. And I love that because I remember, I remember signing those contracts as a player and just, especially you get in high school, sometimes you just sign it. Okay, coach said I need to sign it. I need to sign it. But looking back, sometimes you read those but like, okay, I can't do this. You got to maintain can't do this. this grade average. You got to maintain yeah. the grade average which uh, mom made sure that I signed every single time. But uh, it was, it was. I agree. I think a lot of those contracts, I think for whatever reason, I know early on in my coaching career, I had kids sign those and kind of, you know, got flack for some districts over the years or flack from some parents. So I kind of weaned myself off of that a little bit. But I agree. I think it, it's, you want to have expectations for these kids. You want to let them know that playing sports, it's, it's a privilege. You've still got you've still got to get your schoolwork done. You've still got to. Uh, there's certain things that you've got to do to help the program out. And if you're gonna do you know stupid stuff to make the program look bad, you're simply not gonna be a part of the program. You know we don't have to keep you on this team. This is a privilege, not a right. And I think some people, uh, both parents and athletes, kind of fail to remember. Not everybody has. Not everybody has to play a sport. You don't have to play on the football team just because you love football. If you're not doing the right things, you don't get to be on the football team or the baseball team or the basketball team. I so, mean, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. Um, I mean, like, I just, yeah, I remember signing those contracts too. And it's not only just, you know, showing like, well, this is what I said before. It's like you're making them accountable um, because not, uh, for me, I like coaching, you know, making them a good athlete, but also, you know, they're getting older. You want to, you know, help like help them understand like grow up too so teaching them to be accountable for their actions like listen at the beginning of the season i told you you gotta do like this is what i expected from you and if you're questioning why like you're getting like why i'm getting on your case or stuff like that it's like this is what it is like this is how being an adult works too it's like you're it's like i'm not here just to be your coach i'm like i'm also here to teach you it's like in the real world if you become even a pro athlete your your coach your own like the the team that you play for is like this is what we expect from you and if you miss it's not going to be like oh i'm going to give you a second chance they're probably going to like you're out you know the higher the competition gets the more strict they get so you just got to instill that into them now absolutely and as coaches hey we have expectations too now, this kind of brings me into my next transition. Um, anytime as a coach, you kind of cross that line a little bit, not in a bad way, but I know I'll, I'll give you an example. For me, um, again, another sport that I was voluntold to coach was uh, JV basketball. As you can see that I'm five foot nothing. I was not a basketball player in high school. So um, one of the only reason I got into it was after uh, the successful swimming and diving campaign that I had, um, the athletic director came up to me, asked if I had any expertise in basketball. I looked at him and laughed and said, you see my size? No. And uh, not that short people can't play basketball. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just not good. Better watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Six Foot over there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, I uh, it was one of those, well, just come for an interview. I interviewed, got the job because I was the only one that interviewed for the job. So, um, but during, a, we, were, we were at a tournament and it was against um, a team that I did not very much like when I was a kid in high school. So we were playing this team in a tournament 
And uh, going into the locker room, I mean, I've never been more serious for a game. Um, I mean, I let the kids know on the bus ride, hey, listen, we need to win this game. We are going to win this game. Halftime rolls around. We're up by five, I believe, five, seven points. We're up. And my halftime speech, you would have thought we were down by 30. I mean, I'm going to the kids. I'm like, listen, we've got to be focused. We've got to do this, doing a little more, a little high-pitched yelling and this and that. And I remember my captain kind of comes up to me as we're going out there. He's like, coach, you do realize we're up. Like, not good enough. I want to bury these guys. We ended up winning the game, I think, by 20, 20, 25. Um, And looking back on it, I definitely got carried away. I definitely should have pulled my starters a little bit earlier than I pulled. I definitely should have pulled back a little bit. But it was just, I got caught up in the moment, got caught up. Uh, one of my first years coaching got caught up playing against a, a team that used to be a rival in high school. Um, so that was my sport, where I, my story, where I got a, I guess, crossed the line a little bit. Nothing, nothing horrendous, but crossed the line, got a little carried away in the moment. Um, anything from you guys? That uh, there's definitely a couple other times that I've gotten carried away, but we'll let you guys share before I totally embarrass myself or lose any of my coaching gigs. You coach still. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out this fall. <laughs> when is this podcast air? Uh, yeah, we got to check. We'll make sure I sign the contract for my next fall season before yeah. it airs. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is just being so competitive. Like Matt and I said earlier, you know, we want to win. I love winning, you know, and I'm out. Even if I'm not playing, you know, I'm, I want to win. And I tell my team all the time, like, sorry, if I'm in a game and I'm flustered and you guys are doing the best you can do, and I'm over here fired up. You know, it's not anything you're doing. As long as you're doing the best you can, like, don't worry about me. But, uh, you know, it's not even me specifically. Uh, the previous varsity coach that coached volleyball before myself, you know, we'd, I'd be sitting there during games, and he'd be, like, flipping out for, over absolutely <laughs> nothing. And, you know, it finally got to the point where, like, he had a reputation in the league, like, for that coach that would just yell over absolutely nothing. And, you know, that just always, like, stuck with me. So, like, whenever I'm in a game, like, and I'm starting to get mad, I kind of, like, sit back and I'm like, all right, like, am I looking like a fool out here or being ridiculous, like, yelling over nothing? And just kind of always, like, that's always in the back of my head, you know, to not be that guy. You know, it's, it's tough. I love it. And you don't realize, you don't realize until you coach just how many people are watching you coach. Oh, like, yeah. you've got parents not only from your school, not only from your team, but just kids from your school other teachers from your school, other teachers from the other, the opponent schools, you're really, I mean, a lot of times you're you're more of a focus than the kids are. You know, if you're going to be the loudmouth coach that's out there just screaming, yelling, blah, 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 if you're going to be the real rah-rah coach who's loud but in a positive way, or if you're going to be the silent, scary coach that just sits on the bench and really doesn't talk all that much, um, you really are, you don't realize until you get out there just how much the eyes are really all on you um which is can be pretty intimidating don't forget we got some youngins here they haven't learned that stuff yet they haven't Uh, i'm lucky i'm lucky enough where i'm surrounded by the, the loud coach and you know i'm just kind of a cool calm collected guy myself so you know my approach at a game you 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 set a game plan um you hope it gets implemented so i can you can find yourself frustrated with um if that game plan isn't getting implemented, but you are being watched. It, what, it, what's, what are you going to do with, um, to the refs, you know? So it's kind of more for me, it's, it's, it's all inside. I, I, I've learned to not express it on the outside sometimes. I remember a, a lot of times, as a young coach, I was, I'm still very vocal on the sidelines, very vocal in track and field, but, uh, I learned a lot of times as a as a vars or as a veteran coach, it's more of you always address a ref with sir. They're not going to change a, uh, a call, but you might get a call later on if you finesse them a little bit. But it's always sir. Can I speak to you for a minute, sir? Can you tell me what that call was, sir? Are you blind, <laughs> sir? But uh, it's just I definitely think that you you what it talk gets back to talking to the referees. They're they can make you hot too. They can make you some of the calls that you're looking at. Um, or that they, for whatever vantage point that they see, um, you can it can definitely make you a little hot. Um, I know I had an, another embarrassing story for me. Uh, I think it was second or third year coaching varsity soccer. I had a 
girl who was had possession of the ball. She's dribbling. The defender came over, took her out, and my girl somehow got a penalty. I did not like that call. As I kind of said, as I'm still saying, sir, sir, walking on the field, sir, are you kidding me? Getting into the coach's face where it got to the point where my captain, now this is girls soccer, my captain had to bear hug me, pick me up, and turn me over towards the sideline. Coach, it's okay. Go back to the sideline. So I definitely got a little hot. Um, but it was funny that I thought I was going to get some flack from my parents. And even parents from the other school after the game would come, came up to me and said, you were absolutely right. This referee was horrible. Um, you had every right to flip out. Didn't really make it any better. I definitely still should have kept my temper a little bit. But um, just the fact that I had the parents back made me feel a little happier. But uh, poor, bad, bad refereeing. And I refereed for one year out of college. I will never, ever, 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 ever referee again. I give referees all the kind of credit in the world because I don't know how they deal with coaches like me. But um, any any bad refereeing stories, any... Don't get me started. Uh, I had no joke last night. I, as a player, I, I had a bad referee experience um, where it was it was the 10th inning in our in our game we are tied we have bases loaded two outs all season this ref has been giving me crap just me all season like i'd walk up to the plate and he's just he'd say some sly like comments he's the kind of person who wears sunglasses at like 7 p.m at night we don't like those people <laughs> with like with the sun completely behind them uh, handlebar mustache, shorts up to his like nipples, I guess, and then you know I think he's like eighty five, so I'm pretty sure he has cataracts. But anyways, this, this is all he has. So this is this is this is all, this is all he has. That's his life. This is his life. And he comments to me is like, "Hey man, you already paid me for the game," and I was like, "I didn't pay you anything." But so, ball gets kicked. Girl on third base runs it, runs it, slides in clearly safe clearly pause and then he's like you're out <laughs> as soon as that happened i ran up to him and i started like, i didn't you like you say oh i address him as sir as as a player i use the derogatory terms for for referees <laughs> i was like stripes what are you blind and like i was like is that why you're wearing your glasses do you need your seeing eye dog back all this stuff i um and you know like you said i give him a lot of credit but also they're my best friend when they give the right calls. <laughs> they're my it's worst the fine line. They're fine the line. worst enemy when they give you the bad calls. But when they're always giving you the bad calls, then they're just my enemy. Listen, I agree. my first year refereeing, I refereed games against guys that I had literally known my entire life, and because I made a call the wrong way, they gave me the business on the field. And afterwards, I had one guy who literally would not talk to me for at least a month. He's like, you, and when he did, it was you mother this, mother that, you know. <laughs> so a referee, you're never going to make everybody happy. There's never going to be a game where you just walk out of there, wow, this referee I was did my amazing. Best. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just, and it's funny because, you always wonder why the referees, whatever game, they go right to their car afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason they go right to their car afterwards. They don't want to deal with anything, whether it's fans, whether it's coaches. Yeah. Um, I've seen coaches, some coaches, chase a referee down to a car. And no, I was not that one. I do not chase people down to their cars. But they, it's, it's definitely, like I said, I did a one year out of college. I don't care how much you pay me. I will never do it again. No, no, sir. Um, all right, let's see. Any, uh, I'm just making stuff up as long as I go here. So we're gonna we're gonna keep this rolling. Um, any big, uh, I don't know, Dan. You haven't talked in a while. Talk, say something. Any any questions you have? <laughs> I mean, I just talked. <laughs> oh, is it time for us to ask the questions? Yeah, you guys ask the questions now. I didn't um, know I had to bring a question. I didn't either. Listen, I'm the host. I can't ask. Doesn't have the to questions. be sports related. Doesn't have to be sports related. I left it in my golf cart. Okay. This is where the okay. show goes off the rail. Okay. Okay. Question. Question. Uh, Bucks in six, or do you think Suns have it in seven? Oh, jeez. 
I like the Suns. I think I'm surprised they blew the uh, the two zero lead there. Yeah, Chris I think Paul the Suns needs are it. Gonna get it. Chris Paul needs it. He needs it. He's mm. too old. He's a good guy. If, if you if you blow the two first, if you blow this lead that you had, I mean, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> Do you think in sports, guys, some guys just stay along? All that time, and you're just like, you know what? You just feel bad for the guy. You don't even care if you're a, a fan of that team. You're just like, come on. Ryan just, Fitzpatrick. Just, yeah. Yes. Listen, I, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not a Redskins fan at all, but I would love it if they played in the Super Bowl this year and they won just to give Fitz a Super Bowl trophy. Although, I, let's get the Bills a trophy first before we get Fitzpatrick one. Yeah, yeah. So just just one before on I die. We're working on it. If Brady can play until he's like, I don't know, like 100, Fitzpatrick can hold up a little longer. He's still in his 30s. It, how old? Yeah, he's like 38, 39. He's 38. Yeah. So he's got like five more years. Yeah, bro, 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 Brody. Put Brodian. Brodian. Put Brodian. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's another thing. Eddie, we'll, we'll end on this one. Any coaches that you got to see that you've been around that's just, all right, it's it's your time. But, like, you, you need to retire. <laughs> but, like, you're just – I feel like there are a lot of coaches that are finally – that at least I've seen that have finally kind of gotten out of that sport. But after you get, you always get that that coach that just seems to hang around like five, ten years too long. It's my um, dad. I can think of one <laughs> off the top of my head. It's time for him to go. One off the top of your head. Yeah, it's time for him to go. <laughs> I, I think we're thinking of the yeah, same he's, one. He's he's on his last leg. I don't know. Yeah, but. I always thought when it's when I first got into coaching, it's like all right, I'll do this a couple of years and I'll I'll know when it's time to go. I think the more you do it, the harder it it is to get out of it. You just it becomes you. It almost becomes your personality, where it's just it's what defines you at at times. I I think I think the only thing where you know because I I've seen it firsthand that could hurt a program is when a coach. You know, is kind of just doing it to do it at this point. That's part of that's part of their life. But everything that they did, as if they if they used to be an excellent coach, and you know the program slowly dying or anything like that, I think what needs to happen um, with those is like you can't lose that. What 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 you brought is if you're not bringing it anymore, then I think it could be a problem for the program. Um, and if you're just kind of showing up and you know there for the paycheck, yeah, doing getting your hours in or whatever, it, that then. You know that could that could really hurt a program, but if you're still if you're do, if you're that coach and you are keeping the program at the top, um, and you've been there forever, then you stay there. So oh, that's how I feel about it. I agree. Do you think sometimes even I mean, I've we've we've had programs. I'm sure I know I've had programs that have been bottom of the basement programs, programs that have been great programs, programs that you build up. Do you think even though as a coach you just Let's say you've won your third sectional title, fourth sectional title, fifth sectional title. Do you think it just it's year and year and year out of undefeatedness, whatever, that you just kind of at some point like all right, get a little compl- com- complacency can set in, or do you think it's just hey, let's just keep winning, baby? Depends how con- competitive you are. I was if say. you want to win, uh, I mean, I if I was winning sectional championships, state championships, I'd be like, let's go every year. You know, I would. That's what I want. You know, it's. For me, it's kind of reliving, like, playing the sports. You know, you're living through your players, essentially. Yeah. You know, you can't play anymore or you're, I don't know, you're not in high school, essentially, obviously. You know, you just want to you want to be part of that whole aesthetic, that whole, you know, gameplay and everything. So you're just trying to live through those kids. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you said, like, different size programs, too. If you were a coach that, like, started at the bottom, like, a really bad program and you you were the one that raised it up and then got to that championship maybe maybe some of them like you know what like this is the this is the fruit of my labor and it's like i'm happy with this you could be like you start at the top and you start winning right away and you're just like i want to keep going and going and going until i i can't and then once you can't then that might be their cue to stop (laughs) or just move to a different program or change your style or change your style change your style change it up change your sport you know, we can all go back into. Uh, I can go into swimming and diving again. Revamp that career. I no uh, thanks. I don't think I'll be revamping that career. Yeah, you could go pro. Go pro. Yeah, go pro. I've seen you dive before. Listen, I'm I'm all about the uh, the what the half gainer twists and stuff. I can't even I can't even say the diving lingo. Um, right. I was a diver for a day. A diver for a day. I was. How did that work? Um, 
I put on my I put on the the thing. They're like, "Oh, you did gymnastics," and I said, "Yeah," uh, before I had my growth spurt. And they're like, "Okay, you're a diver," and. I was practicing the dives and I was like, Hey, I kind of want to do swimming. And the coach looked at me and said, I saw you swim back to the ladder and there's no way I'm putting you in swimming. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to go home now. I quit. I quit. (laughs) Now speaking of quitting, I know for me making cuts on any team is awful. Absolute worst. One story that comes to mind um, I had a modified team that we, I, I had so many kids try out. We could have probably had three or four teams that year, but we were under, we had to limit it to, you know, 18. I was able to talk them into going up to 20 just cause I, I less cuts that I had to make. And I remember it was the last day of tryouts and I had a kid who I knew was going to get cut. He, he was Tried his hardest, was one of those kids, just a super try hard. We had practices for a week. You could tell he was trying his best, just wasn't wasn't ready for a competitive team. And he came up to me, and I'll never forget this, the last day of tryouts. Coach, I know I don't have cleats. My grandmother's going to get me cleats tomorrow. What size do you think she should get me? And right there, it just, I'm like, Oh. Size nothing, buddy. Size like, nothing. Yeah, I hope those are uh, like <laughs> those football cleats where you can wear them in any other sport. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> just one of those questions of like, I just felt so bad. I was like, let's if you if you in a half hour when I give the cut list, let's why don't you ask me that question again or just not? It just broke my heart. It's like you growing anytime soon for next year. Let's like, just get the size up. <laughs> And those are the worst kids that you know they try their best and you know they're out on the field and they're going to give you everything they can, but they just unfortunately just don't have that athletic ability, can't keep up with everybody else, just just are not that player. For me, sometimes I'll try to, hey, why don't you try this sport? I'll try if I can, yeah. if I know that another program is needs players or is hurting for players, I'll try to push them there, but sometimes you just... You gotta make cuts, and for me, that's the that's the worst part um, of the job. Any any memorable stories where you're just like, or stories where you, you? I know there's been times where I've kept a big team, knowing, and I've gone into the season telling them, "Hey, listen, I'm keeping 25. I can't give all 25 of you guys playing time. Some of you guys are going to be on a pla- on a practice uh, practice roster. Some of you guys are going to be practice players where you might work your way up, but." Some of you might only stay practice players, and I've learned that is an absolute disaster because by the end of the second t- by the end of the second game, you've got parents and kids forget that you tell them that they were practice players. How come I'm not playing? How come I didn't get playing time? How come I didn't get playing time? So that I found is an absolute disaster uh, if you keep too many kids. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have any personal experience with that, but just like the thought of cutting somebody. You know, I've I've witnessed times where coaches would obviously cut the ones that gave their heart out to the game, but obviously would did not have the skill and, you know, instead put in a person who obviously was good but wasn't in it for the team. And it, it, it affected it. And I was like, you know, I'm not saying that the other kid would have, you know, done any better, but it's it, that's the problem. It's like if you have like a really good kid that doesn't give a crap about the team and he's just there because he knows he's good and he wants to be flashy versus a kid who puts his heart and soul into the game for the team, he's just not that good. You're just like, ah, dang. Um, but my coach actually for travel did like that practice squad thing and he used it as a threat technique for like, okay. you know, like the, 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 the good kids, you know, if he started seeing them slack or like not put in the work, he was like, all right, you're on practice and move a practice person up either to reward a person from practice who was obviously showing improvement or get the other person who's like, listen, it's like, this is, this is, this is competition. It's just like, you can't be joking around at practice. It's, it's like, if you are, you're going to go on the practice squad. It's like, because he's, he wants to play for the team more than you do. But I can obviously see how well that would go if parents and kids are like, I'm on the practice squad, but I didn't know what that meant. 
Oh yeah. You get you coach, you told me I was on the practice squad, but I'm gonna play, right? I'm gonna get thirty minutes, I'm gonna be a starter, right? Even though I'm on the practice squad. No. What no. meeting were you at? No. Remember I told you practice squad? Remember I told you you're gonna be lucky if you get two minutes a game? <laughs> you know that jersey that says practice squad, don't put in game. Now you know you work this season or end of the season, you might work your way off the practice squad or you might carry that next year. It's only gonna get you more touches, only gonna get you better, but no, you're 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 a practice practice squad player. Hey, I'll play practice squad in the fo- National Football League. You get paid like $550,000 to be on a practice squad. Do practice squad, practice squad's underrated people. I'm not saying to be a cop out, but just also it's like, hey, hey. listen, in the NFL practice squad still gets the ring. They still, still get a ring. Yes, sir. They still, they still get a ring. Janitor, janitor gets the ring too. <laughs> Anyone in the stadium. Exactly. You all get it. Squatters, squatters could go to the ring, yeah. also get the ring. I love it. Gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for being on the first ever edition of Stories from the Sidelines. Um, I think it went well. Let's hope the listeners went well. Any last thoughts from you guys? Everybody's tired of hearing me talk, so any last thoughts from you guys? I just start. I just talked, so somebody else talk. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just want to say thank you, and guess what? We're on the very first episode, and it feels so good. I know, right? I'll follow that up with yes. Yeah. The first and hopefully not last. I also want to say that Connor has a really nice like radio voice. He does. So Con- maybe maybe it's once you retire, impressive. just 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 become a radio host. Connor should be starting his own podcast. <laughs> but gentlemen, thank you guys. I want to I want to uh, again thank everybody for coming out. It was a ball, and again, I think I gave these guys what two days notice. So thank you, and uh, we'll get back to you again. Was it a notice or choice? Uh, you guys have been voluntold. You got voluntold. You got yeah. voluntold. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you soon. from the future telling you that your dream is going to come true what no way yeah you're going to have an awesome podcast called let's talk but no politics okay and new episodes come out every sunday on Beyonce.